Tonight, uh, we're going to look at a section from Matthew 6, and I'm going to read this and pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, This is Jesus speaking. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that, they, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret." and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Uh, Gracious God, thank you that you've given us a dry place right now as it's wet and rainy. Uh, We take that for granted too often. Thank you that you have given us a place to learn, a place to fellowship, a place to ask questions of your word, and a place to hear from you. And so we ask that you would dig out for us ears to hear, uh, give us eyes to see Jesus. Uh, We need your help, and we ask that you would do this for your glory and our good. Amen. Uh, So a few days ago, a buddy of mine um, sent me a picture, and it was was a picture of a a self-checkout machine at Walmart, okay? And and I kid you not, on either side of the self-checkout machine at Walmart, there were two signs that said, Walmart, investing in American jobs. And he sent that because it's, it's obviously bad optics. It's, it's funny. They're in, what, that's not a job. That's, that's a machine. But two signs right there. We're investing in American jobs. So it's sending, it's sending mixed messages. And our passage tonight seems to function like that. Um, remember, these are Jesus' words. And his first words tonight, his first words to us are beware. Beware, Jesus says. Um, be cautious, uh, be alert, um, danger, warning of what? Sex or drunkenness or oppressing the poor? Beware of what? Practicing your righteousness. Beware of practicing your righteousness. Which is interesting because this comes right on the heels of things that Jesus has just said. Let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. One of the things that I learned when I was dating Melissa is that dating is often awkward, painfully awkward. Uh, Sometimes my intentionality in dating, sometimes my affection in dating was simply a swing and a miss, okay? Uh, I, maybe you've been in a relationship like this. Very early on in our relationship, 
I was crazy about her, and she's still not sure if she even wants to date me. Right? So we've got this, where do we stand? And me, it's like, oh, it's you and me, babe. And she's like, ah, it might just be me. Okay? <laughs> so I'm crazy about her, and she has gone home for the summer, which means that she's seven or eight hours away from me, and she comes back in town to visit over Fourth of July weekend, and I am amped. I'm super excited, got my fresh haircut. I'm ready to take her out on a date. And she's trying to figure out whether or not she even wants to be in this relationship, okay? So the date ends basically with her saying, I think we should just really slow things down. As in, maybe don't call me for a while. Um, now let's see how the date started. So I'm excited, I'm driving, you know, Probably got my favorite tunes on. I bought her flowers, roses if I recall, and I'm walking up to the, the sidewalk up to her front door, which goes along the side of the house, and I'm walking to the front door, and I want it to be a surprise, so I'm holding those flowers behind my back, and she opens the door, and I was like, here you go, and she's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, now, she tells me at the end of the date, when we're trying to figure out that maybe we shouldn't get closer together, but a little bit further apart, that the flowers actually made her feel uncomfortable. And part of what made those flowers make her feel uncomfortable was she had to pretend that she was surprised when I did this. Because little did I know, she was sitting in a room, which she saw this, a profile of me walking up. <laughs> She's talking to her friend about how she does, she's not even sure if she wants to date me, and she's like, great, now he's got flowers. He's bringing me flowers, and I've got to put them in water. <laughs> showing affection and showing intentionality in a dating relationship is a good idea, but if it is not well received, that's a problem, right? Likewise, practicing righteousness in the name of Jesus is a good idea, but if it's not well received by our maker, we have a problem. And one of the things that's tough about this passage is we're sort of used to this idea that Jesus calls us to repent of the bad things that we do. And what Jesus is actually saying is sometimes you have to repent of your righteousness. Sometimes you have to repent of the good things that you do. Because, and this is key, Jesus is not merely after our actions. He's not merely after externals. He's after our hearts. He's after our motivations. He's after not just the what that we do, but the why we do it. So how do you practice righteousness in the wrong way? You do it for the wrong audience. You don't do it out of love and devotion to your maker, but rather for the approval of others. Have you ever done something just to be seen by others? Of course you have. We all have. I was thinking about this. What is something that I have done recently that's just to be seen by others? And it hit me that sometimes when my kids are in the front yard unruly, they're disobeying, but a neighbor is outside in their front yard, I am the most patient father on the block because... Not so much that I want my children to see a patient father in that moment, because I want my neighbors to think I'm a good dad. 
Jesus says when our motivation is for somebody else, that's not true love. You're not really loving your kids. You're loving yourself. And when you try to serve the Lord, but it's really doing something that he would approve of, that his Bible says is good, but you're actually doing it for another audience, he says, that's not really loving me. In fact, that's not real righteousness at all. And Jesus gives three examples of hypocritical righteousness. And here's what happens in all three. A hypocrite, someone who professes to love the Lord, but is not motivated by loving him at all, does something that is actually a good thing in and of itself, but he's got the wrong motivation for doing it. He wants to do, he's doing something good for the approval of others, and the approval that he receives from them is all that he gets, okay? God will not reward it. In verse 2, he describes hypocrites uh, giving money to the poor, almsgiving, Uh, and he says they, they blow trumpets, and I don't know if they actually blew trumpets, but you get the idea Hey, you know, or everyone's watching. Hey, better watch this. And they do that. And so people would say, wow, you're such a good person. I didn't know you were such a good person. You know what we're going to do? We're going to give you this brick with your name engraved on it, or this plaque, or this building with your name on it. And what Jesus says, when you get that kind of reward, enjoy, because that's it. In verse 5, Jesus follows the same pattern. Hypocrites pray so that others will hear them and say, I love it when you pray. You have the best prayers. Where did you learn words like that? You know so much. When we get nervous about praying in front of others, so often it's because what if I don't impress them? Jesus says if you're doing it for words of affirmation afterwards, that's the reward. Again, in verse 16, we see this familiar pattern, only this time it's next level, because he describes hypocrites who are fasting, but fasting doesn't really gather a lot of attention because it's actually what you're not doing rather than what you're doing. You're not eating. Not eating doesn't get a lot of attention. And so they actually go next level and disfigure themselves. They look, oh, I'm wasting, I'm tired, I have disheveled hair, right? They disfigure themselves so that others will notice. And Jesus says, when they notice, congrats, that's your reward. Now, to be clear, Jesus does intend for his people to give to the poor and the marginalized. And Jesus does intend for his people to pray, even in settings like this where people can see you. And Jesus does intend for his people to fast. He's not against these things. But here's what he's saying. If you are motivated by the attention you will receive from others, as far as God is concerned, you've not done the thing. It doesn't count. Because acting like this makes us spiritual politicians. We can do the right things. We can shake hands, kiss babies, give money to the poor. But we're not doing it because we're hungry for righteousness. We're doing it because we're hungry for approval ratings. If you're motivated by what others think of you, then giving to the poor actually becomes an act of exploiting the poor. You say, well, how can that be? Because you're using them for your own personal gain. If caring for the marginalized is really just padding your resume in front of others, you're not loving them, you're exploiting them. You're using them. They are tools 
for your approval rating. If your motivation to serve is reputation, then there's no reason to pray on your own. And this is sort of the point. If you won't pray on your own, then why in the world would you pray with others? When we do things in order for others to notice, Jesus says their noticing is the reward. Again, in verse 1, Jesus says, Beware. Your Father in heaven will not reward this kind of behavior. Why? Well, first of all, it is sinful. It's, it's rebellious. It's not loving God. It's, lot, it's not loving neighbor. It's sinful. It's wicked. But secondly, we actually try to exploit God in that too. In the same way that we try to exploit the poor, the socially marginalized to get street cred from others, if we use God to gain favor with others, we're trying to exploit Him, and God will not be mocked in that way. Instead, He says, when you give, do it under the radar. Try not to be noticed. And this feels about as intuitive as posting something great on Instagram and really hoping that nobody likes it. It's counterintuitive. When you pray, he says, lock yourself in a room. When you fast, make yourself up so that you look better than you feel. And we read three times, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So we can do the right things for the wrong reasons. How then do we repent of our righteousness? How do we repent of our hungering and thirsting for approval ratings? And you might think, well, Joe, that's easy. He says it. Privatize your spiritual life. Make sure that nobody knows. Privatize. But I wonder, in 2018, is a form of societal righteousness being irreligious in the public square? Does what, make us, does what makes us acceptable in the public square really having no religious opinion, keeping that to ourselves, isn't that sort of what makes us acceptable in the public square? There's usually not a whole lot of praise or admiration that will come our way for praying in public. In fact, I wonder if it's possible to be irreligious publicly for the same reasons that others, the ones that Jesus is talking about here, practiced religion publicly. You see what I'm saying? that fear of man drives both. Thinking about how we're received by, by, by people around us drives both, whether we're religious in public or irreligious in public. For public acceptance, maybe we won't be praised for being irreligious, but we won't be shamed. And shame drives us in 2018. We're becoming more and more a shame culture. We shame each other. The left shames the right. The right shames the left. But the problem for Jesus is not primarily where or in front of whom we do religious things. That's not his primary issue. His primary issue is why we do it when we do it. Are our acts sincere? If you mark your Bible up when you read it because that's how you read it, great. But if you mark your Bible up so that others will see, like, wow, that's a worn-out Bible, uh-oh. 
You see, I've done that, by the way. Ugh. Jesus says, living for the approval of others, this is my paraphrase, is sort of like living for high school popularity. It's short-sighted, right? It, it, that's not a long game there. Now, it begs the question, why do we long to be seen? Why do we have that instinct? Why do we do things in order to be seen? Why do we want to be noticed? Sometimes what we do in front of others to be seen, there's this deep drive to be noticed by others. And here's the thing. The desire to be noticed is not inherently sinful. In fact, some of it is inherently good. We were created to be noticed. If you long to be noticed by others, you were made to be created to be noticed. But what do you do to get that notice? That's the issue. The desire is fine. What do you do to get it? God made us to want to be noticed by Him. He made us in, in His to image forth who He is. He made us to be noticed by Him. And our sinfulness twists that. Our sinfulness says, I want to be noticed, and I want to be noticed on my terms, in my way, for my glory. And so we do things for the approval of others. The good news of the gospel is that God does notice. Psalm 8, one of those sort of psalms that ripples throughout the rest of the Bible, says, What is man that you are mindful of him? The psalmist is talking to God. He says, What are we? that you are mindful of us, or the Son of Man that you care for Him. What he's saying is, it blows me away that you are mindful of us. It blows me away that you care for us. And the Bible says this over and over again, of course God is mindful of us. Of course He notices us. Of course we matter to Him. Of course He cares deeply for us. Jesus talks about rewards in this passage. But the idea is not which we kind of read naturally, if you perform to a certain level, you will receive things proportionate to that. If you perform well, you get rewarded well. If you don't perform well, you won't, get perform you won't be rewarded well. It's not exactly what Jesus means. Paul says in, in Romans 5, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. When did He die for us? When we were weak. When we were ungodly. See, Jesus is the ultimate picture of what it looks like for God to be mindful of us. Jesus is the ultimate picture of what it looks like for God to care for us. And we did catch His eye, and it wasn't because we were performing well. It wasn't because we were doing everything right. He looked and He said, you're weak and you are ungodly. He sees our sinfulness and He draws near to us. He dies on a cross to bear the wrath of God that our sins deserve, that our sin, our hypocrisy deserves. And this is important because when Jesus says, your heavenly Father will reward us, He's not thinking of an earned reward. Okay? Remember, Jesus dies for the weak, He dies for the sinful, and He says in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. So he doesn't, he doesn't die for those put together. He doesn't reward those put together. Okay. 
Jesus has to die on the cross for sinners precisely because we can't earn anything from him. You understand? So how are we going to reconcile grace that we, we can't earn anything and reward? How do we reconcile this? Remember the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who know they are poor will be filled. Or as Psalm 37 says, delight yourselves in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This is one of those passages that gets twisted all the time. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you whatever you want. Yes, but what does the one who delights in the Lord want? The Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you what you delight in Himself. Delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you Himself. What's really helpful in thinking about this reward language is remembering Jesus is talking about a relationship between a father and a son, a father and a child. Okay? I can't begin to tell you how many times in my household I hear, Dad, come look at this. Good night. Okay. Come look at this. Come look at this. Come look at this. Sometimes it's something in a toilet, and um, sometimes it's something that a child has made, right? And um, yesterday, my son uh, gave me this, uh, oh, I broke it, this, pa- this painted cat that had two ears when I put it in my pocket. Um, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> and I, I just assumed that he painted it. And I asked Melissa tonight before I came over, I was like, Cannon painted this cat, right? And he goes, no, Lily painted that and gave it to Cannon. Um, but he gave it to me. <laughs> oh, here's the other ear. <laughs> um, he gave it to me because this is his favorite thing right now. Here it is with two ears. Uh, and he said, Dad, I want, you to, I want to give this to you. I want you to think about me when you go to work. And I was like, buddy, that's really sweet. I was like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it in my backpack. And when I carry it, it's what I should have kept it in my backpack. I'm going to put it in my backpack, and, and I'll think about you wherever I go. And his eyes got really wide. Really? I was like, yeah, can I put it in your backpack? You put it in there, buddy. My daughter paints me pictures all the time. And I don't say, wow, that's really good. Here's $5. Can I have this? That's really good. $10? That would cheapen it, right? What I say is, Baby, this is amazing. You know what I'm going to do with this? I'm going to put it in my office. (gasps) You're going to put that in your office? Yes, I'm going to put that in my office. What am I doing there? I'm rewarding her with what? With our relationship. You get more of dad when dad puts it in his office. You get an aspect. You get us. You get me. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. A few verses ago in chapter 5, Jesus says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may be sons of your Father. Well, wait a second, Jesus. I thought we already were sons of the Father. By faith. What? Huh? Which is it? And what Jesus is saying here, and what Jesus is saying in, in, in this passage, your Father... Will, will reward you with this. When you act like his child, 
you get more of your father. When you act like his child, you get him. He is your reward. Your relationship is your reward. Praying because you love approval is one thing. And praying because you love your father is something altogether different. Paul says in Galatians 3, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. We receive forgiveness of our sins by faith in Jesus' death on a cross. But more than forgiveness, we receive sonship, childship, by faith in Jesus. When you can impress no one, no one, Jesus draws near and he dies for you. And it's not only sin, it just doesn't make sense to use the things that God tells us to do to leverage that with approval for somebody else. It's sin to do that, but it also just doesn't make sense. You're free to follow God for what He offers, namely Himself. By faith in Jesus Christ, His life, His death, and resurrection, you become a child of His Father. You become the Father begins to see you like He sees His own Son. God has given His children hearts that beat for Him. And as a response to His goodness to us, if we will act like His children, care for the marginalized, pray, fast for His sake alone, He will reward us by giving us more of Himself. I'll close with these words from 1 John. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us your word. Thank you that you call us your children, and we confess that we are sorry that sometimes we think that we have earned it. We're more deserving than others. And even worse, Lord, that we use your commands to make others smile on us. How wicked and petty. Help us to not do that and help us to delight in you and find that you delight right back in us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing.